weirdos, and welcome to Horror Through Her Eyes. You've got the Amateur Destroyer and the Taminator here, ready to explore the twisted world of horror and prove that girls enjoy horror just as much as the guys do. Hi, Tammy. How are you Hi. doing? Hi. I'm doing really good. Better than you. You've been sick. <laughs> and I'm sick. in a winter wonderland here, kind of stuck in the house, but that's okay. We're actually, we're supposed to get a storm like tonight and tomorrow and get some snow. And then later on in the week, we're supposed to get some snow too. So we'll see how that hits and sticks. Um, but oh. I'm okay with that because I'm sick anyway. So just going to be oh, stuck you're here. you're a trooper to be here. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, today is the first day where I started kind of feeling a little human and didn't feel like I was going to die if I didn't take a nap in the middle of the day. Yeah. So... I was like, okay, I can do it, because I've already put it off, like, twice, so apologies. It's all right. right. But we're here. And something that makes it easier is that we're talking about a really fun movie tonight. Um, We're going to be talking about Taminator's pick, The Slumber Party Massacre. That makes my job a little easier. I don't have to use my brain as much. Um, So... I'm excited for that. (laughs) But we do still kind of have a lot to go over. We have some Fright Bites and Haunting Headlines. throw a cute little thing in here I got like late last night my phone goes off and I look and Landon had sent me this video I haven't gotten to watch yet but he sent me this video like top 10 movies on YouTube to watch top 10 horror movies coming out in 2024 and he's like mom I want to see every one of these we're totally going so I don't know what's on there but apparently there's a lot to be excited about so okay that's exciting let me see I do have a couple bits of news um just off the top of my head I didn't write them down I didn't want to take over your haunting headlines but um there is a movie that's releasing on Shutter today called Destroy All Neighbors, and Alex Winter's in it. I mean, I didn't It'll, see it. I saw that when I yeah. turned on the TV. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know that much. I mean, I've heard about it, but it looks totally up my alley, and I love Alex Winter's, so... I'm excited for that. I'm probably going to try and watch that tonight, even though I'm supposed to be cramming in 2023 movies. 28 Days Later sequel. Oh, duh. Yes. I also had a mental note to mention. <laughs> 28 Years Later. Yeah. In the works. Uh, Danny Boyle and Alex Garland are going to be doing it together. I'm super excited. I mean, I feel like that's a project that has been talked about for so many years. Um, and I just assume that it, it wasn't going to go anywhere at this point. So to see that there's all these headlines about it, I'm pretty sure it's a definite thing. Um, So I'm really excited because I like both of the movies. I do too. And you know how I feel about like like revamping something. This isn't really remaking. This is kind of like adding on, but I feel none of that towards this. I'm just super excited about it. Like that's one. I think that is, there's room to do that. And it could, you know, be just, could continue the story and if they do it right 
be really awesome. So. Yeah. And I don't think it's a, it's not actually 28 years later, but I feel like it's been such a long time that that's not that far off of a a concept, you know what I mean? And I love what, when What year did it come out? It, I can't oh, put me on the spot here. Sorry, I can look too. <laughs> Let me see here. I don't know. In a way, it feels like it could be 28 years, but I know it's not. 2002 is when it came out. Well, clo- I mean, 22 years later, almost. Yeah, that's pretty close. It makes me think of, like, Twin Peaks, you know, when they revived the show, and it was actually that exact amount of years as what they had said in the original Twin Peaks show. That, like, completely blew my mind. Um, <laughs> and also, I feel really old, but yeah, well, it's cool. Yeah when they do that so i agree i like that idea Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah it's close enough also one other movie i wanted to mention is um i haven't watched the trailer but there's a movie called abigail coming out from radio silence which is that team of filmmakers that often do vhs installments were they the ones that just did the most recent screen movie i think and then i feel like we talked about them on the horror kiss not like not that long ago so i don't know if there's something that Mark had brought up, like, mark your calendars. I feel like yeah. we talked about them. for Maybe it was because we were discussing VHS. I don't know. But I feel like I think we talked so. about them recently. But this movie, okay, yeah, they did the last two Scream movies. And VHS and Southbound, which I also really like. I love Southbound. Southbound's yeah. on my list of movies I want to cover on here, so. Oh, nice. I would be super down. I love All anthologies. Right. But Abigail looks really cool. Do you have any kind of a premise? or anything the only little bit that i've seen since i haven't really watched a trailer is just a little girl ballerina dancing around all cute and pristine and then like another image of her all like bloody and vampire-y looking okay Um, yes sign me up (laughs) yeah vampire ballerina kid sounds pretty cool so other than that i don't know anything about it but even just uh just the poster is like very striking and exciting to me. And I like Radio Silence. Not that I'm like a huge fan of the last two screen movies, but I think they're fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they're just trying to see like what they can do with the franchise and stuff. And it's like an already, you know, very like big franchise that they're just adding on to. So I think that this will be fun. Oh, let's see. There is a little bit of, of a synopsis here on Bloody Disgusting. After a group of would-be criminals kidnap the 12-year-old ballerina daughter of a powerful underworld figure... All they have to do to collect a $50 million uh, ransom is watch the girl overnight. In an isolated mansion, the captors start to dwindle one by one, and they discover to their mounting horror that that they're locked inside with no normal little girl. Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. I love those kind of stories. That sounds awesome. Was it Intruder? Was that what it was called a couple years ago? Or those guys broke into that girl's house? They thought it'd be an easy robbery, and she... Wasn't quite normal. Remember that? No, I don't. Intruder. Maybe maybe that's the wrong title. But yeah, these like rabbit. They know she has a she has agoraphobia where she can't leave. And is this ringing any kind of a bell for you? She can't leave, and um, so they and they know. I think her dad dies or something, and she's left alone. They know she has money in the house, so they think she's going to be an easy, you know, target, but no. Oh, no, that doesn't sound familiar to me. Oh. Maybe I missed whatever it is. Well, there's a really good movie like that. I just can't think of it. <laughs> that sounds like Don't Breathe to me with the old blind yeah, dude. <laughs> it's the same kind of premise. I just, I don't know. I like that. 
idea. You, you know, yes. the quiet ones you got to watch out for. So. Exactly. Um, so Although the uh, Don't Breathe guy ended up being a little grosser than we had uh, thought. A yeah. thousand percent <laughs> problematic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those are the only couple bits of news that I happen to just notice, you know, from scrolling through the social medias. So I guess our haunting headlines are actually pretty short. <laughs> Ta-da! So now we'll go ahead and get into our Fright Bites. Tammy, would you like to go first? Sure, I can do that because I don't have many. Um, so Landon and I went to see Night Swim, and we both really liked it. Uh, it's definitely a Blumhouse PG-13 movie, but I don't believe it deserves the hate that it's getting. Uh, I thought it had some very, very truly creepy moments. You haven't seen it, right? No, because I've been sick. Sick, yeah. So I'm hoping that I get, like, better enough. While it's still in the theater, so I don't miss it, but I don't want to go and get people sick or anything. Yeah. I did take a COVID test and it came back negative, but you never know because the sickness is like all like a head thing, whereas feel really like groggy and like loopy and sleepy, but I'm not like coughing or runny nose or anything like that, but I'm definitely like drained and like so sluggish and heavy, you know? So, that and the only time. Like bluish, maybe. Maybe. You know? I don't know. It's weird. The only other time I felt like this was during like the first few days when I did have COVID. A couple of years ago, but you never know those tests are, you know, not yeah. completely accurate all the time. But anyways, I totally took over your fright bike. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's all right. So <laughs> I was just going to say, I did actually cover my eyes a couple times. And if a movie can make me do that, well, then. And uh, the child actors were excellent. I liked the family dynamics of the main family and was really invested in them, which is very important if you're going to vibe with this movie. I say go see it in the theater. There is one scene in the pool where that it's kind of like the Georgie with the, uh, you know, the drain uh, with Pennywise in it. Kind of happens yeah. with the uh, pool drain. I won't say much more than that. And I was like, you know, like this. <laughs> uh-huh. But... I- I mean, no. Are you going to go there and uh, get your pants scared off? No. But we still both, I mean, my son liked it. I liked it. And, you know, it's been getting a lot of hate. And I say that's malarkey and that you should go see it in the theater. Um, I also, too, right before we started recording, finished Hugh Sarah the Bone Woman. And um, that was fine. So, yeah. (laughs) That's all she's got to say about that one. Well, we actually, we talked about it a little bit before we jumped on here, listeners. So Tammy says it's better than okay, but wasn't like mind-blowingly amazing or anything like that. Does that sound accurate? That sounds absolutely accurate. And um, I guess I just wanted to like it more. But I did tell Jessica I think I will like it more when I sit with it a little bit. I'm in the, like, Literally 20 minutes before we started recording. So mm-hmm. I just need to sit with it for a bit. There's a lot I really do like about it. I'm not sure I totally understood it. So I need to just think about it before I give like my true feelings about it. But I just wanted to mention because that's like my only other horror watch lately. Well, I'll get into mine then. I do have a few. I watched Where the Devil Roams by the Adams Family. Uh, they're the ones who did Hellbender. What was that, two years ago or was that last year? I think it's got to be like two years, I think. I mean, don't quote me on that, but it doesn't seem like last year, but I could be wrong. The last few years are just like 
all one to me, but I loved Hellbender. And since watching Hellbender, I've learned a lot about this family. It's like a mother and father and their two daughters. And they're all like these very talented artists in so many different ways. And they're all filmmakers and they make all these cool like indie um, horror movies together. And I just love it. Um, I just think that as an idea that that's just so cool and I'm totally down for it. I wonder if they would adapt me because I know it sounds like a pretty amazing family. I agree. Um, So I've been waiting for this movie to come out like on streaming and it's on Tubi now and I loved it. And I, I have to say that I think that I'm just so in love with them, the family themselves, that maybe I like judge the, their movies unfairly now. (laughs) You know what? If um, it moves you, it moves you. That doesn't, you don't even have to explain your feelings. Sometimes, I mean, it's like when you have a bad feeling about something and you can't quite explain it. Sometimes you have yeah. good feelings and you just can't quite explain it. So, Yeah, I did. I liked Hellbender better. Like, I think that Hellbender was a better movie technically, but I love the fun, like, um, experimental nature of this movie. And they throw in, like, photography and music. You know what I mean? There's all these different, there's such artists. That it's almost like just them playing and then just allowing the public to see their fun family art or something. So it does feel kind of like a college student or something made this movie. (laughs) I mean, better than that, but but like kind of along those lines. But I really enjoyed it. Um, So I would recommend that one, especially for a Tubi watch. Uh, And it's during the Depression. It's like. They're a Carney family during the Depression, and I'm like, <laughs> sign yeah, me up. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, so very fun. Um, I watched Satanic Hispanics, which is an anthology that came out this year that I've been really wanting to see, like, all year, or, like, since it came out this year. I keep saying this year. Last year, 2023. I know what, yeah. <laughs> we know what you mean. We have 2023 on the brain because we're about to go through our top uh, movies of 2023 list. But, um, yeah, Satanic Hispanics is about um, <laughs> when police break into a house in El Paso and they find it filled with dead Latinos and a lone survivor known as El Viajero. And he is taken in by the police for questioning um, and so that's the wraparound for the movie. And then the anthology is like, he's telling the police like all these different little stories, um, having to do with him and why he's the lone survivor. And it's really fun. I liked all of the segments. Uh, I mean, there's like some that are really goofy, you know, some that are like a lot more serious, but overall I liked all of them. So I would definitely recommend that. And I like oh, that they're all okay. Latino filmmakers. I mean, and come on, Satanic Hispanics. Right? That's a great title. So (laughs) you have to watch it just for that. Um, I watched The Passenger, and our friend Nicole over on Facebook had said that she saw this and she didn't consider it horror. Um, And it's one that I've been wanting to see, so I finally checked it out. And I agree with her um, that because of how it ends, I don't think that it counts as a horror movie. But it's definitely, like, fringe to me because it's very horrific. <laughs> like I've seen ho- it on one other person. No, I saw it on one other person's top 10 of 2010 of the year, whatever, okay. however many they did. So yeah. I think other 
I mean, it's on Shutter, right? And I think other people are considering. I don't know if it's on Shutter. I maybe. think I watched it on Prime. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's getting lumped in with horror. I wouldn't I like hold it against anybody because I don't really care about that anyways. Yeah. But I just I agree with her because a lot of the times for me it kind of has to do with like the intention, you know, and how it ends a lot of the time. Like that movie, um, what was that movie, Swallow? The one with the girl mm-hmm. who was, like, swallowing stuff when she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. That totally felt like a horror movie to me up until, like, the end. And then it turned into, like, a total drama, like, kind of feel-good, self-help thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh. It did, but, I mean, I, that was on my list that year. Was it? So, so. yeah. So, yeah, so that's why I say it's, like, very fringy. Like, if anyone ever had that on their list, I definitely want to hold it against them. I think for me personally, I won't put it on my list just because of of the, the, the way that it ends. But it is very horrific and very tense throughout the whole movie. And it's really good. Um, right. I loved it. It was one of my oh. favorite movies of the year. So okay. even if it's not like a, you know, like a through and through solid horror movie or whatever, I would still recommend it. Um, I watched Dark Harvest, which is the one that Mark Nato keeps praising. You when didn't I like shut that off one. after a half hour. Oh, I actually really liked it. Oh, I, I did. And it's funny because a lot of I've heard a lot of people being like, eh, it's whatever. But I really liked it. So I don't know what it is that like Mark and I are gravitating towards. Although I do love like revisionist his, uh, history kind of movies because mm-hmm. this is like in the 50s or 60s. And, that part I like. I like the aesthetic. I just could not. Yeah. After that, like about, I think about 35 minutes in, I'm like, I'm just not wasting more time. I'm not connecting with this. So. Okay. Yeah. I totally, I did. I really liked all the characters, like right from the get go. So that probably helped get me through it. But it's really cool. There's like a, it's like in the 50s or 60s and you're following these teenagers that live in this little podunk town and it's like, Everybody's poor, basically, mm-hmm. um, but they they do this annual tradition. It's and like Hunger Games, kind of like. It is kind of like Hunger Games because yeah. they, like, force the teenagers to do this mission. Knowing that people can, are going to die. Yeah. Yes. Like, you don't necessarily have to die, but there's, like, a high risk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you end up, like, winning this annual thing, then you get to win a bunch of money and get a nice house and get a car and all this stuff. And so it's very appealing. But then there's, like, a really dark twist to it, um, which you don't know about because you didn't finish the movie. But I I would recommend it. I really liked it. And I thought it was really beautiful, too. I thought the cinematography was, was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say that. Um, I watched Cobweb, which um, I think most horror fans are probably familiar with at this point. But it follows an eight-year-old boy um, who's trying to investigate the mysterious knocking sounds that are coming from inside the walls of his house. Um, and this has Lizzie Kaplan in it, who I love. Mm-hmm. It also has um, Homelander from The Boys, which I can't think of the actor's real name. But I'll just say that so far, everything I see him in, he's a dick. <laughs> and he's really good at it. <laughs> it's very creepy and menacing. Um but this movie, I thought it was pretty good. Um, some people are, like, saying it's the best movie of the year. And to be honest, this year isn't that great. So that might be true for a lot of people. Yeah. 
Um, and I wouldn't hold that against anyone. But for me personally, I, was, I thought it was okay. Um, or a little Same. better than okay. So, Same. Mm-hmm. Same. um, definitely wouldn't say not to watch it. Um, there's some cool, I don't know, it was weird. There, I don't want to ruin it, but I do want to say that it's kind of like a creature feature. And I can't say whether I think the creature design is absolutely terrible or cool. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to explain. Yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes when I would see it, I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. And then sometimes I'd be like, oh, it's real bad. So I'll leave that to you guys to figure out for yourself. Um, And then the last thing I was going to bring up is Living for the Dead, that reality show uh, that Tammy had told me about, where you follow five gay ghost hunters that are traveling the country. Um, And it's kind of like Queer Eye, but with ghost hunters, because it's like, They're going to these haunted spaces or visiting people that are haunted and like helping the real life people that have to deal with this place or whatever the thing is, healing them spiritually and stuff. And I can't say that I necessarily believe like the stuff that's happening on the show, but But it has a lot of heart. Like if you like uh, Queer Eye, you this is just like Queer Eye, but they're they're helping, you know, people, I guess, wrote in or whatever, said they needed help. They're living in a haunted place. But like the clown motel, man, how could you even yeah. live there, you know? Um, and it's just, you're going to watch this. You're not going to watch this to get scared or anything. It's just, I mean, I felt like I binged it. I loved it. But I was watching it, like, for the heart yeah. of the show. It's and really I was, sweet. Yeah, it is really sweet. And I just fell in love with all the characters who are, are all members of the LGBTQ community. So I, they're just very endearing. Their heart's in the right place. Um, and I just, I just think people are interesting, whether you believe they're haunted or not. I like yeah. seeing stories about real people. That's why I like all those. Sh- I know they're all dumb and I don't uh-huh. like ghost hunting shows, but right. I do like, um, like there's one called a haunting or my haunted house. I love those shows just because I like seeing people tell their, stories whether you Mm -hmm. believe them or not or whatever i just think people are interesting and that's kind of like what this show is about so i agree because like whatever is happening it's helping those people that are hurting that's kind of how i feel about like faith you know like i could never be religious myself if there's just like not that thing in me that will allow me to believe in something like that same But I feel like for people that really feel something and are really connected to it and aren't using it to, like, hurt other people or judge other people, I feel like it could be this really beautiful thing, you know, for some people. So I appreciate that that exists for some people and that they have that. And I I wish that existed for me because, you know, I don't have, I don't, I'm not close to my family and there's just such a sense of community that those people have. And I wish I could connect with that, but I absolutely cannot. And, you know, I was raised hardcore Catholic and then tried Lutheran for a little bit, but it, it feels as wrong to me, like probably as a, a diehard Christian going to a satanic thing, you know, like I just yeah. feel in myself like this is just wrong for me. So, right. But I wish it wasn't like I wish. I but. know. Yeah, I agree. Instead, we fill our void with horror movies. Yeah, that's and right. Our and we make our own community. Families. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, and that's it for Fright Bites for me. So, yay. Would you like me to do, is it okay if I do Echoes from the Abyss since you're yes, going to have to read a bunch of. I'm talking a lot tonight. So go right yes. ahead. All right. Perfect. So we'll do some Echoes from the Abyss. Abyss. Um, so first, some past episodes for Phenomena on Instagram. Sam Edwards, who goes uh, by Celluloid Psychosis on there, said that he adore it. He adores it. Um, on Facebook, Dan Johnson said that he grabbed the 4K of that movie and watched it this summer for the first time himself and liked it a lot. Sure, it was wild and crazy like Italian horror films seems to uh, seem to be, but there's a lot to love here. It's creative, atmospheric, looks beautiful, and has a great soundtrack. For me, the main thing I don't like with Italian films is how they dub in the sound later, and there are some translation issues Two, which uh, many foreign films have. And he said four and a half out of five kill jars for him. (laughs) (laughs) And a side note, he wanted to weigh in on book recommendations for our book nook episodes. And he said since he's not a fast reader, he would vote for the recent Grady Hendrix ones. Uh, He's already read like his most recent one, How to Sell a Haunted House, which was really good. And his other favorite is probably Final, uh, Final Girl Support Group. But all of his books that I've read are good. He has to be one of the most popular current horror writers working and has actually gotten uh, older horror books to be reprinted because of his paperbacks from hell, which is awesome. Um, And I know you guys have a little bit of back and forth because you also like Grady Hendrix. And I am familiar with Grady Hendrix, but I actually haven't read any of his books yet. So I think that that's a great idea. Girl, I can just tell you 100% he is for you. He's got that (laughs) offbeat. He's like, he's not like a Stephen King serious kind of horror writer. He's definitely much more B-movie kind of writer, I guess Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, Like, his stuff would be made into movies for Tubi, I just feel like, you know. But they're so they're so good he's just a really fresh voice and like I read a couple of his books and they go really fast and they're funny and a lot more about like people and and stuff that's happening to them and I I do really appreciate what he did with the paperbacks from hell which if people don't know it's like a compendium that he did of just all of those trashy pulpy 80s 70s and 80s paperbacks that used to get churned out that I just remember stealing from my mom all the time. So uh, he's he has gotten a lot of them to be reprinted. So I think that's a pretty wonderful thing. And there are so much good stuff to read there, you know. So, yeah, yeah I totally agree. And I, I had mentioned when we first started this that I thought maybe we could start working our way eventually through Paperbacks from Hell. But like I said to Dan, my only worry is some of those that haven't been reprinted cost a lot of money now, especially with this new resurgence of 
uh, interest in them, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I mean, but yeah, some we could, I'm sure. Yeah. I know I have definitely been interested in reading final girl support group. Cause I heard some really great things about that from some other friends. So maybe that'll be my next pick for the book nook. That would be good. Episodes. Um, although we're doing one, we're doing your pick next. So maybe we'll tell people about that. Maybe on this episode, maybe next episode. We'll see. Um, let's see. And also on Facebook, our friend Nicole Trawick said, I just finished rewatching this. It's been a while since I'd seen it. I remembered liking it, but I couldn't remember it. Uh, couldn't remember at all. I had completely forgotten the ending, everything from the boat on. <laughs> uh, and I really like this movie. I absolutely love Jennifer Connelly back then. She was one of my favorite actresses, which makes sense since Labyrinth was a favorite movie of mine. I just always thought she was so beautiful and elegant and a good actress as well. Also, I adore Donald Pleasance. I'll watch anything with him. His Scottish accent <laughs> could use some work. <laughs> but otherwise, he was great. And I'm a huge fan of Dario Argento. He has great dramatic kills and gory close-ups. He's a fun one to watch for grossness and creepy crawlers, if that's your thing. Like Dan said, great atmosphere and cinematography. I have a love-hate relationship with the soundtrack, though. I love all the music, but I feel most of it is out of place, which was something that we said, yep. too. <laughs> yep. Some odd choices during tense scenes. <laughs> yes. The song during the first kill is perfect, though. There's also a cool Carrie vibe when all the girls are taunting her and she calls the insects to just envelop the house. Oh, yeah. Was, I, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good parallel to make, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're smarter than us, Nicole. Yes. Well, we knew that anyway. <laughs> Uh, was it, oh, I was kind of hoping they would have killed everyone like the one death at the end. Speaking of the end, let's not forget the last death with the chimp, which was awesome. She was a true hero of the movie. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. Uh, Mark Liang said, I love this movie. Another classic from Argento. Connolly, Pleasance, and a chimpanzee. <laughs> What's not to like? Maybe not absolutely top tier Argento, but this bonkers beauty isn't far off in my opinion. And then our friend Greg Bozzelli, uh said, I picked this up on VHS at Horror Hound. Um, so that was fun. Thanks, everybody, for weighing yeah, in. Thank you. And I have to say, Phenomena is one of those movies where it's, like, really hard for me to rate on the show because watching it as just a viewer and a fan of horror, I had so much fun with it. But looking at it critically as a... Uh, <laughs> That's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and we had so much fun talking about it, I feel. Um, But trying to actually like analyze it and dissect it and talk about it as a good movie, like from a technical standpoint, you know, it was difficult for me to rate. So I hope people don't think that I hate the movie for rating it. I think I had given it like a six and a half. Because when I was watching it, I was enjoying myself. Um, Plus, say, we, like, we talked, like, it was one of our longest episodes, like, what, three-some yeah. hours about it? Which, yeah. I guess that's our thing. We talk forever about movies we don't like as much, so. <laughs> I think that's pretty normal, Yeah, I feel like, for podcasts. Because if we just like everything, we're just like, I liked it. So, yes, it definitely sparked a lot of conversation, to say the least. Uh, moving on to Black Christmas. My mom weighed in, uh, Charlene Houchin, and she said, 
I watched Black Christmas. It was okay. I feel bad because you two liked it so much and I got bored. I like the controversy of the abortion subject, but the killer was boring, which I was like, Mom, I thought the killer was boring. He's terrifying. But that's okay, Mom. You can have your own opinion. Um, She said she loves Olivia Hussey, who is in her favorite version of Romeo and Juliet, by the way. And Margot Kidder was great, but annoying. (laughs) I'll watch anything with John Saxon. He's a favorite of mine from the 70s. Me too, Mom. Me too. Yeah, me too. I love John Saxon. All right. For the lady from the Black Lagoon, we got a comment from Christine Lind on Instagram. She said, I was so glad that you guys were just as annoyed as I was by this woman inserting herself into a biography about someone else. It really put me off, uh, so much so that I stopped. I figured I could get as much from a wiki of her than reading this woman's book, and she put a sad face emoji. Oh, sorry, Christine. I hope you still enjoyed her episode on it, at least, and felt validated. And if <laughs> you just if you didn't same. read it and just listened to our episode, you get all the good stuff about the book, and you don't have to read yeah. all that ma- all the Malloryism. So yeah. exactly. So we'll be your wiki. Yes. Um, and then moving on to tonight's The Slumber Party Massacre, uh, Grug, but, <laughs> Grug, <laughs> Greg, <laughs> yeah. Greg Vasali said, I find this to be the epitome of 80s slashers, and I absolutely love it. So much I have the Fright Rag shirt. Most people don't know what it is when I wear it, but when someone does, I always get the casual nod of approval, and that's all I need. <laughs> And ladies, just uh-huh. so you know, we had him put a picture of himself on our Facebook page, and it is worth a look for sure. Yeah, in, in the shirt. I'm sorry, in the shirt. In the shirt he's speaking of. Yeah, he's also a very handsome gentleman, and he is a very handsome music, gentleman. <laughs> but he is married to another Jessica, actually. So he's taken. Sorry, ladies. Story of my life. <laughs> Story of my life. Um, but his shirt is super dope, it and is. it was very fun of him to share it. Um, and Sam Edwards also commented, and he also posted a picture of him in his shirt. So this is so cool that we have two listeners that have Slumber Party Master shirts. And they're different shirts, and they're both awesome. Um, and Sam Edwards says, to put it bluntly, I love this one, LOL. I also like the second one, the third one, not so much. I find it... I find it interesting that it was directed and written by a uh, a woman, yet it still plays heavily with the male gaze elements, uh, but then it also has heavy pro-woman sentiments. I know it was originally written to be a parody, but it didn't quite pan out that way, despite their best efforts, thanks to the studio involvement. So you do see you do see echoes of that where just some things you can kind of feel like that must have been part of when it was going to be a parody, but then it. It doesn't hang on to that for very long and definitely becomes a much more serious movie, in my opinion. So I love what it became. And that's we're going to talk a whole heck of a lot about it. Yes, we are starting. Not now, because Tammy has another segment.
Go ahead, Tammy. Tell us about your segment. Well, when we first started this podcast, we had teased that Tammy was going to do like a a 70s thing. And I do still kind of want to do that. But as I've been looking for stuff, sorry, my nose ring just fell. As I've been looking for stuff, um, I'm like, man, yes, I could go on and on forever about the 70s. But I just know there's some other stuff out there, too, that's been kind of left in time. So um, I just would like to just open it up a little bit. And by that, I mean probably like 80s and earlier that I think deserves a watch. So it will be different than our main movie reviews where we may or may not have seen the movie and then rate it. Uh, this will be more something from the past that I would personally suggest. And so you already know that I like it, so I won't be rating it. Jessica can certainly participate, too, if she wants. Uh, but I feel like I have been long, around long enough, kind of know what gets talked about on podcasts and what most likely has been left in the past, but should be seen for one reason or another. Um, I won't be doing a full review, just a mini review, and why I recommend it. So, everybody ready? In keeping with tonight's overall theme and feel of the show, my first recommendation is a little gem I found called Linnea Quigley's Horror Workout. Yep, you heard that right. Uh, this came out in 1989. So, uh, Linnea Quigley is a well-known among fans of 80s slasher movies, having starred in around three dozen films over her storied career. She helped turn the B-film industry into its own campy, self-parodying art form by writing books about her experiences and embracing the inherent silliness of the subgenre. And she didn't just star in films like Return of the Living Dead. Turns out she also made a workout video. This VHS is such a collector's item that if you find a copy of it on the Internet, it will likely go for more than $200. It allows Linnea to go into full self-parody and poke fun at the 80s B-movies that made her a star. Uh, so right now, this is available on Tubi, um, Roku Channel, and Prime. I know. So you I've always know. wanted to watch that, by the way. <laughs> me too. And I just, like, it came up again because there's, well, I'll play it. I, when I was searching for Slumber Party Massacre, it came up again because there's a section in it that's a slumber party. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to watch this thing. So a uh, little synopsis. Screen queen Linnea Quigley leads the spoof workout where she teaches zombies aerobics as well as how to exercise during a slumber party massacre. Uh, this is a spoof of VHS workout tape, a la, like, Jane Fonda and the like, with a touch of soft porn and splatter. Starts off with Linnea introducing herself and going briefly through her horror resume, along with several clips of her favorite movie moments, starring herself, of course. Uh, we see clips from Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolarama, Vice Academy, and Creepazoids. She then starts a workout portion of the tape, which is basically just soft porn eye candy for you, while she does a stretching routine in a tiny metal-studded bikini and leather boots while she makes funny comments. <laughs> it's so I funny. love it. She then goes out for a jog through a cemetery alone, of course, where the dead rise and come after her. She ends up giving them a dressing down because you can't let yourself go just because you're dead. And they all join <laughs> her for another workout routine. Uh, exhausted, she then decides to invite four of her closest scantily clad friends over for a slumber party, one of whom is Cynthia Garris, wife of Mick Garris, where she has compiled a pile of her VHS movies starring her, of course, for everyone to watch. More soft porn here. Everyone is uh, one quick move from a wardrobe malfunction in their lingerie. 
They discuss the merits of her films and settle on one after a pillow fight, of course. They decide on Nightmare Sisters because Linnea gets to sing and dance at that one, which is quite a treat. They then break out into another workout routine in their lingerie. Yes, more soft porn. But it's a slumber <laughs> party, so there has to be a massacre, right? The lights go out, and Linnea goes to check the fuse box alone, of course. We hear screams. There's a killer. I won't ruin the surprise of who it is. We are then treated to a blooper reel along with some home videos her, of her growing up, which is really fun. It's really sweet. Like, if you don't watch anything else, fast forward to, like, the last 10 minutes. It's really sweet. I recommend if you just want to be entertained for an hour and leave with a big smile on your face that you watch this. I had so much fun watching this and think you will, too. So, until next time, this is the Terminator signing off from the Terror Time Machine. Yay! That was amazing. <laughs> I love it. It could also fit into B-sides of terror. Yes, yes. It you can. know, so you kind of did a double segment for both of us. So good on you. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Thanks, Tammy. That was awesome. Oh, you completely sold me on it. Um, and I demand that you make a Linnea Quigley um, Poor Beauties trading card. Will do. I absolutely will do. <laughs> I'm missing those. Ah, you know, I was thinking to myself the other day, why am I not still doing that? But honestly, like between You'll holidays get around to and it. work and just, yeah. yeah. My I'm heart's in the right place. But... I love doing, you know, like artistic stuff like that. So Yeah. And I love them and we're going to make them into real trading cards eventually. So be excited, listeners. Yeah, we you got And a deck of horror beauty trading cards designed by yours truly, the Taminator. <laughs> At some point. Um, <laughs> so that was amazing. Uh, well, I guess now we can get into our main feature movie, The Slumber Party Massacre. And so before I turn it over to you, I will just let everyone know that this is a spoiler-filled podcast. This is your warning. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The basketball team is planning a party. A slumber party. The party begins at 8 o'clock. Love it too. You think I'm getting better? <laughs> but be on the lookout for an uninvited guest. Please, please. When the pizza arrives, things really start jumping. Some people may have to leave early, but others will hang around and hang around. Courtney, you're underage. Negative. Let's go. I'm not going to eat that dead guy's pizza. I feel better already. Really, I do. But for those who stay, there'll be plenty of surprises. Non-stop action. One thing's for sure, no one's getting any sleep the night of... The Slumber Party Massacre. Close your eyes for a second and sleep forever. All right, so our main event tonight is the Slumber Party Massacre. A little 
a little, very little synopsis off IMDb. A female high school student slumber party turns into a bloodbath as a newly escaped psychotic serial killer. Oh, they are showing full nudity on IMDb. <laughs> a newly escaped psychotic serial killer wielding a power drill prowls her neighborhood. So this was directed by a woman, Amy Holden Jones, on written by two women, Rita Mae Brown and Amy Holden Jones. And it star these stars are Michelle Michaels, Robin Steele, and Michael Alella, um, which you're not gonna know who any of them are. Michelle Michaels is Trish, kind of like our main girl. Robin St Steele is Valerie. Michael Valella is Russ Thorne. Uh, our driller killer. Deborah DeLiso is Kim. Andre Honore is Jackie. And Gina Smica Hunter is Diane. Jennifer Myers is Courtney, who's like the younger sister. And then I called them the, the bros, Neil and Jeff, which is Joseph <laughs> Allen Johnson and David Milburn. And uh, Pamela Roylance as Coach Jana. And Brinka Stevens as Linda, which she's been on Joe Bob before, I believe, when they did this. I'm pretty sure. Oh, fun. All right. Are you ready? I'm Here so ready. Here we go. Right into it. All right. So we start with a very 80s title sequence with great music, I thought, and uh, Paperboy delivering the morning paper with the headline, Mass Murder of Five, Russ Thorne Escapes. Hmm. Wonder if Russ will be coming after our sorority maidens. <laughs> well, they're, they're actually not sorority girl. They're like in high school. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm. Uh, reviewing a different movie apparently <laughs> that they are, yeah. they are high schoolers. Yep. Uh, two minute mark and boobies. We see Trish waking up and getting dressed for the day. With this music, this scene, uh, reminds me of the opening of Carrie. She looks about 18, but her room is still very girlish. We see her start packing up her toys in a bag. Barbies, stuffed animals. She's transitioning to womanhood while staring at each nostalgically. Uh, her mom calls her and she heads out while the story of this escaped murderer plays on her radio. Her parents are leaving for the weekend, but says the neighbor will watch over her. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, her parents keep going over the rules with her, but she's like, mom, I'm 18. And she said, and mom says, you will always be my baby, which all moms feel that way. Uh, the parents leave and now sinister music starts to play. Her toys go in the trash and she heads to school. We see a male arm reach into the trash and take out the Barbie. The look of this was uh, very Halloween to me, I said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, like the POV. Yeah, and just, yeah, just because uh, we watch her, like, go down the sidewalk, and the houses have, like, those hedges, just like mm -hmm. they did in Halloween. I just thought it really reminded me of that. Yeah. Cut to the high school, and we see two 80s bros discussing taking a girl to the dance, but they are distracted by a cute phone woman working on the building. Here we go with the 80s male gaze. Uh, the camera lingers on her nice ass, and they're like, I think I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a really nice ass. It was a very nice ass. I, I, I know I was in love. Um, LOL. <laughs> I said, LOL, the 80s objectification, but that's what we watch these movies for, right? Um, one of them asks if they can help her carry her ladder and ask her out. Asks her out. He's shot down. They walk away, but we see someone yank her into her van. 
We then see her in the window trying to yell for help, yell to them for help, the two bros, because they just walked away after getting shot down. But they don't notice, and she gets a drill to the head while blood splatters the inside of the white van. So we are boom, boom, (laughs) off with a bang here. Yes. Um, Anything you want to add to any of that? Uh, just that, like, right, not, not this scene, but the scene, the opening scene where we already see, um, sorry, the main character is Trish, right? Yeah, Trish. Yeah. We already see her nude, and it's so strange because it's, like, clearly unnecessary, and we're going to get more of that gratuitous nudity. And so, yeah, just like our listener had commented that it's very interesting that this is directed by a woman and written by women um, because I feel like a lot of times, even if there is nudity, whenever a female directs the movie, it feels like a female's directing it, you know, where the nudity is just kind of like happenstance but makes sense instead of like gratuitous and unnecessary. And so it feels very male gazy. Um, this is why I was saying I thought that some of the parody uh, kind of shines through a little bit. Maybe stuff that was in the original. Um, because, I mean, we get boobies in the same shot as a Barbies and stuffed animals and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. it feels extremely gratuitous. Um, I mean, and this is, you know, back in, in the days when girls didn't all wear bras, I guess. But, I mean, it just takes her a really long time to slip her dress over her head. And she's, you know checking herself out in the mirror and I just felt like she was kind of like thinking to herself yep I'm a woman now because then she once her dress is finally on she goes around and collects up all the toys that she wants to throw away yeah it's It's like even where the camera sits in all of those scenes just feels strange you know I agree Feels like a man is doing it (laughs) yes I agree but I mean Unless, yeah, you would never know unless you were told, I think, at that point that this has some feminine bite to it, you know? But, yeah, I mean, obviously those are, knowing what we do know, obviously those are choices. And I just feel like they may be a little bit of a holdover from her original intent of doing a parody and calling attention to these things that, Mm. you know, are the male game. And not necessarily that it bothers me. It's just something that struck me you know when I the first time I watched this and the first time I realized that a woman had directed it and I was like oh that's weird um (laughs) and then watching it this time with like that knowledge in the back of my head um just something to bring up but you know I like looking at boobs just as much as anyone else does. I look at boobs all day. Amen to that. (laughs) And I wonder what the girls were told, you know, like, because I'm sure she was given, like, I wonder if when they started filming, she was still maybe planning on doing the parody. And if the girls were instructed, like, hey, we're going to have these really tight close-ups of your ass and your boobs and just go along with it, you know, and if it felt like kind of funny to them or. Right. You know, like, they did it more in fun. But, I mean, I think the mood of the movie definitely shifts not not too long from now. Yeah. But that's the only real note I have so far. Because I think, too, like, that scene in the with the telephone lady getting killed. First of all, it's cool that it's a lady. That's right. A yeah. Telephone thing. Um, and it was just so jarring. I thought, I mean, I, it was a great kill, but it was nothing yeah. funny about that kill. It was pretty terrible, you know? Yeah. And it and, set up like 
you're in for a wild ride. <laughs> you're getting a kill like this early on. Yeah. Um, and so like there's people it's in broad daylight. She was just talking to people. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it does feel it's a fun movie. But the, the yeah, those parts of it make it feel kind of like scary and dangerous. Well, that too. And, and right. I mean, how many movies do we meet our killer within the first five minutes? Like mm-hmm. most movies, you'd see that um, newspaper headline and you'd get a bunch of red herrings. Who's the red, killer? Yeah. Or, you know, no, boom. We know who the killer is. No question about it. Yes. Um, Which, I mean, um, I mean, I kind of like, you know, not in all movies, but in a movie like this where I kind of want to turn off my brain. I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'm down with it. Like, we know exactly who the killer is. And now we're just along for a bunch of kills. <laughs> Well, I told you when I picked this, like, let's, you know, we've been deep diving so hard. I'm like, I'm just going to pick something that's just fun, you know, and just a straight up porn movie. And we, we know A, B, C, and D. And, um, you know, it's, it's like, we don't have to at the end be like, what just happened? Yeah. (laughs) Like we have been for a couple of these. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I know. And it's funny because I'm sure for the show that you're going to pick a lot of like, movies that you know that you like whereas I'm probably going to mostly pick things that I haven't seen (laughs) well I'm also like twice your age so unless it's like super recent I've just seen more than you have you know what I mean so yeah plus with being being podcasting for so long I've been forced to watch a lot of things I would never probably have watched on my own so that Uh has has like really I can't take full credit for that because I have a wide array of watches several of which are forced against my will so (laughs) right all right now on to one of the greatest parts of this entire movie uh it's gym class great 80s scenery those short shorts uh what <laughs> well wow, the same dude bro so the girls are playing basketball this is i don't know if it's still like that but back in the day gym classes were segre- segregated i mean i went to an all-girls school but i just know like mm. even up until then like it was always girls gym and bo- boys gym um, yeah. I'm not sure if it's still like that anymore, but anyway, the girls no. are, um, <laughs> it's not. Of, right? uh, the girls are playing basketball and the, the two dude bros that, you know, got shut down by the telephone woman are kind of watching the girls play. I made a note here. Everyone looks 30 <laughs> because they do. Yeah. Uh, uh, the girl, the bros just, you know, comment on the pretty girls while they play. And there's so many pigtails. I love it. <laughs> all right, the scene that we've all been waiting for, the shower scene, uh, and so many nudie girls <laughs> with girls discussing the guys while showering with the camera slowly lingering on all their bodies. And I mean, literally, it goes up one, down yeah. the next. Like these, they're like in shower cubicles almost, where like they can talk to each other the top, each other other over the top. There's no curtain, you know, and they're all obviously very comfortable in their own bodies. Their bodies are all beautiful, but it's just a different time. <laughs> they would never get away with that now. But anyway, like this scene, like who even knows what the girls are saying? Cause we're just looking at them being naked. Right. But they're yeah. discussing like this slumber party that they're planning, but literally the camera is just going lovingly up and down all of their bodies one at a time. Yes. And then I made a very, note here. Very gratuitous. Very gratuitous. I made a note, my own note, but this is made by a woman. So um, this was originally meant to be a spoof of these kind of movies, but morphed into something else. But echoes of that original idea sure remain. Um, Trish flirts with Valerie. So Valerie's like, I guess this new girl or a transfer. 
mm-hmm. which I said she was told. I felt like she was totally flirting, but you know, y'all can watch that and make your own your own judgment. <laughs> uh, and tells her that her um, and then tells her friends that she wants to invite Valerie to their party. The friends aren't immediately on board. The girls talk unkindly about Valerie, who can hear from the next row of lockers. Trish asks her, but she says no, crying from what she heard. Um, of girls that are having this slumber party were just really talking kind of nasty about Valerie, and she heard the whole thing. So It was mostly just the one girl. Um, Diane? Was, was that her name? Yeah. I think the you're, shorter I think one. it's Diane. The one yeah. with the boyfriend with the car? Yeah. Yes, Diane. Yeah. She's the only one who's, like, really full of herself. But what I did appreciate was that Trish was like, yeah, you're so judgmental and full of yourself. Which makes it feel, I feel, to me, more genuine than a lot of movies where they portray these friendships. Because you can be friends with a nasty bitch and be honest with her. I feel like that's more accurate than just, like, letting them, you know, rule everything and... Like they portray in a lot of high school movies. I was like, yeah, I had I had a friend or two like that, and I'd be like, God, you're such a bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I would yeah. be nice because that's just who I am. Yeah, and I, and I would go and talk to the Valerie and be like, just ignore fucking Diane. She's just a bitch, you know. <laughs> so I appreciated that aspect of their friendship. Like, yeah, they're still friends. They don't all have to be the same person and share the same brain, you know. Um. And I'm sure there's, I'm sure Diane is fun or something, you know what I mean? Because usually those people are. Like, there's some aspect of them that makes it worth, like, hanging out with them still. At least while you're still in high school. (laughs) Yeah, we see her trying to tell a joke um, about the touchdown with the baby in a couple minutes. So, like, maybe she's just the jokester of the group. But I think she's also, like... I I think she was more concerned with, like, she didn't want Trish being friends with her. Like, almost like she was, like, I don't know if she just wanted the four of them to just stay that little tight group or if she was a little bit jealous of maybe Trish taking an interest in someone else. She Mm. seemed especially bothered by that because she didn't really seem to care too much what the other girls thought about Valor. And I think the other girls were kind of just indifferent on it. Yeah. So, like, they weren't like, yay, invite her, but they weren't being quite as nasty either, so. Right. And that kind of made sense, too, because Trish was trying to make it this, like, you know, just the girls, like, the old days. So that kind of also says without saying like our old group like right. the old days mm-hmm. like and you want to bring someone new in but my boyfriend can't come over you know what I mean so I kind of get you know teenage yeah. girls it's fine yeah. back when those days when that was your biggest problem you know right oh <laughs> god all right so the girls leave the school with the dude bros and I'm just going to call them the dude bros because we don't learn their names for a very long time and I was taking my notes <laughs> as I'm watching so yeah, you're just going to have to get you know the dude They're bro. not unlocked. I mean, they they definitely cross some boundaries, um, but they're not totally hateable. Oh, you no, know what I mean? No, they're not, but they are like, if you looked up 80s dude with the mullety hair, if you looked that up in the dictionary, here's these two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, discussing how they aren't invited to the party while the creeps are in the white van stolen from the telephone lady watches and the eerie music plays. As they get close to the van, Linda says she forgot something and has to go back in. So <laughs> Linda's not with this group for very long. Uh, the creeper hears this. 
So he he drilled the telephone lady and then just decided to, like, sit there in her van and watch the girls leave the school. Now, I don't know if he was, like, just enjoying the view or looking for his next victim because he's, like, berserkering. You know, he just obviously got out of jail and just we never really find out his reason, right? Like, he's just... No, not killer. really. Yeah. Um, which I think is fine. And maybe also like he's to me, he really seemed more like someone who was like on drugs for a few days <laughs> instead of somebody who like was like mentally unstable, you know, yeah, he seems like not. someone who had been up on meth or something. Yeah, <laughs> and he just didn't needed to go to all sleep. that mentally. He didn't seem like crazy killer. He just seemed like sweaty and frantic and like yeah. just which you almost know. made him scarier because I feel like this would be something that could happen you know like somewhere like in LA or something be like pretty normal just some guy up for five days on meth you just hear like, about <laughs> these guys that go on these you know killing sprees that and they have such a hard time catching them because they don't kill anyone for any certain reason as they get closer to the van Linda says she forgot something and has to go back in the school. The creeper hears this. One of the girls says she has provisions for the party. You know, Doritos, Bennies, and Crystal Meth. We see oh, the maybe yeah. meth is really prevalent in this area. <laughs> oh, that, that's what he looks like. He's on is Crystal yeah, Meth. He's just got totally. that look about it. Uh, we see the dead telephone lady with the drill hole in her head, discarded with the garbage. Because women only serve one purpose, right? And once that purpose is used up, into the garbage they go. Damn. Well, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, to Linda in the school, who now can't get out. Can't get out because the doors are locked and chained. What the heck? Right? Like. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody was just walking out. She literally turned around, goes back in, gets her whatever she was getting, and every door is not only locked, it's, like, chained. What the heck? So Yeah, we're the people that just locked everything up. (laughs) They must have been standing there waiting for that last kid to leave. So uh, here comes the creeper with his huge drill, obviously a phallic symbol. Also, super, the, super phallic. Also, super just because of, like, the POV. Yeah, and the way you see her, it. like, yeah, we're, like, behind him and looking at her through his legs, and he's holding it down between his legs, like, his penis, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, super phallic, super fun. Um, I said here, also, we see the killer now in full face in the daylight. She gets a drill to the arm but runs away, and he takes chase. She hides in the shower room. Why is she not yelling for help? This is this is me saying that. And seriously, <laughs> this drill is like two feet long. He creeps around looking for her, but she's bleeding so bad it's leaking out of her hiding place. So he obviously hit the brachial artery, uh, which he looks down and sees. He drills through the locked door, and she finally starts screaming. Yes, and it's a he, devastating scream. Yes, it is. It's like, you know, the, the jig is up kind of scream. What do you think of the weapon of choice? Other than well, the fact that it's phallic. <laughs> I mean, that, that'd be my, I mean, it's just so obviously phallic. I never quite get past it. There is a movie called The Driller Killer. But other than that, I, you don't see a drill used that often, you know, yeah. especially this is, obviously this is the, well, I'm, I'm guessing 
I, obviously. I think this is the telephone woman's like, like she was working on like the big telephone lines at this school. Like she had some heavy equipment in this van. And I think that's where he got it because he wasn't, I doubt he was running around with it out, out of jail. Oh, um, I hadn't so, even considered that. So I think it's a weapon of convenience. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, I think it's are, fun because it's not super common. Um, so I enjoy it. <laughs> you know what they say? Like a stabbing is usually a much more personal, you know, if someone was stabbed, they usually tend to think that like, they were stabbed, killed by someone they know because that seems like just an intimate. You got to get right up close with the person to kill them. You yeah, shoot them or whatever. And obviously, this is like that. I mean, he's got to be. I don't know. Maybe it's like twelve. It's really long, okay. And I, but I mean, he's gonna have to be in someone's personal space to kill them with it. So true. Yeah, it's funny because it's kind of like a long range weapon, but also you have to be up close because you can't just like drill into something very easily. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, when he tried to do that, all he did was, you know, nick her arm, which then right. ended up being her undoing. But if if someone's more than a, a foot away from you, you're you're not going to be able to do much, you know. Yeah, because like, even to- with a knife, you can at least kind of like throw it or something and hope that you hit them with the pointy end, but you can't really do that with a drill. <laughs> well, plus a knife goes right in. The drill's got to work its way yeah. in. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's a great weapon. I, I Yeah. Uh, it's a little unexpected. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't, you don't see a drill, especially like a big industrial drill used that often. So at least there's that. They did something different. Yeah. It's a little, I mean, and he must like it too because, I'm sure she had other things in there that could have been used. I'm sure utility knives in there, which are shorter, but still be pretty effective. And he never changes. He's got the van and he never changes his weapon. So, you know. All right. So uh, next, uh, Mark brings Trish home on his motorcycle in a summer dress and sandals. And as we know, no bra. (laughs) 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 Ah, yes, the 80s. And I put he looks about 35. Uh, cut to Diane walking home in her awesome designer jeans. This was also very Halloween looking uh, with the creeper following her in her van. Nope. It's one of the dude bros, John. Very Halloween look and soundtrack POV use. That was me saying that. He again tries to get invited to the party, but she's like, no, it's girls only for old time's sake. Cut to the gym coach, Rachel, driving home. And yet again, the radio is doing a news story on Russ Thorne. She changes it to music. A drill comes right through the door when she's unlocked. So she gets home. She's trying to get in her apartment. And a drill comes right through the door while she's unlocking it. And it's her landlord putting in a peephole, which, like, barely misses her eye. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, what the heck? I know. And then they're just so nonchalant about it right <laughs> after. And I'd be like, what the drill, drill me in the eye. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um. She asks if the telephone repairman came by today, and the landlord says, yes, I saw his van parked across the street. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, cut to Trish on the phone with Diane, who is asking if John can come to the party. She, Trish relents but says he can't come in the house. She hears a noise and says she's got to go. The front door is open. She relaxes it. The window is open, but she leaves it. Her mom's parting words were, lock all the doors and windows. It's another weird thing. She sits down and starts to play the piano. 
Camera pans up the stairs and we hear footsteps. She starts to run, but it's just the creeper neighbor. And I put, um, yeah, I put, um, what the heck is he doing inside the house? Uninvited, unannounced. Now remember at the beginning, the parents had told her, um, Mr. Content will be here if you need anything. And he was like right there. He's like, yes, I will. And I mean, what is he doing in, in her house, like lurking and hiding? It was just really weird. Yeah, it was weird, even though he had an excuse. So like, like uh, don't scare the poor girl. Like, if you're supposed to be keeping an eye on her, then you wait for her to get home from school, which she probably does at the same time every day, and then come over and knock and say, is everything okay? Do you need anything? You don't be upstairs in her house leaving her door open when she gets home from school. You know what I mean? It's just weird. He was going through her panty drawer. He totally was because he says, I couldn't, this is why the piano playing is weird because his first thing was like, I couldn't find you anywhere and saw the door was left open and was just checking the house. She's sitting there playing the piano. She'd be very easy to find. It's not (laughs) like a huge house, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. He is a creeper. He says, you came in and sit and sit, oh, he says, why don't you come in and sit down for a second? I'll stay with you till your friends get here. First of all, she needs to be invited into her own house. She's already in. This is me saying that. And how does this freak know her friends are coming? He's gross. Okay. <laughs> he seemed nice enough, but. He did. And he ends up being a nice person. But just everything about that, like, is very of the time because. Yeah. I mean, he could not do that today. Okay. No. Back to the gym teacher in her robe, having a glass of wine, fixing dinner. She drops her glass of wine and it shatters. She hears a zipper sound inside the house. She takes the biggest piece of glass and goes investigating. She hears something in the closet and slowly opens it. Ack, cat scare trope, I said. (laughs) I just want to say really quick, before she spilled her glass of wine, just based on where she placed it, I was like, oh, my God, you're going to spill your glass of wine. That drives (laughs) me crazy. Why would you put it right there while you're doing shit right there? It's so dumb. Okay, that's it. That's my only note. (laughs) Uh, You you act like you've seen a whole bunch of horror movies or something. (laughs) Uh, Cut to the dude bros planning how they can scare the girls because, as he says, you know how girls love to scream. LOL, because one is like, what? Oh, oh, and then one is like, what's the worst that can happen? They get mad at us. And the other one's like, no, they could beat the shit out of us like they did in the gym. Did in the fucking gym three times. Oh, <laughs> that was pretty God. funny. <laughs> and I put, right. yeah, LOL, yes. <laughs> uh, they yeah. walk by the creeper's van parked outside and ten bu- Ted Bundy's yellow bug. I just made a note of that. It's parked behind a, a yellow bug. Oh, my God. Uh, Valerie is watching forlornly out the window as the girls arrive to the slumber party. So we remember Valerie from the locker room at the beginning. She's the one that got her feelings hurt and ran away that Trish was trying to invite. She seems to live next door to Trish. So this makes it even doubly hard, I'm sure. I put she also looks about 35. <laughs> While the creeper literally creep watches from the bushes. <laughs> I had to laugh at this. He's literally like crouched down in the bushes, like watching. Yeah. Uh, Trish tells Mr. Contant to finish his coffee while she answers the door to let the girls in who say we're here for the orgy. They brought beer. <laughs> uh, Valerie tries to motion, motion to them. Shh, 
because the neighbor's in the kitchen. But Kim is like, cast your eyes on this and brings out a bag of pot as the neighbor comes into the room who smells the pot and says he was just leaving. He says he won't, <laughs> he won't tell. If they don't tell, he sneaked in the house and then he leaves. Creep. Creeper. Creeper. Creeper alert. Creeper alert. Creeper alert. It was uh, the good old Maui Wowie too, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Classic. Uh, yeah. All right. Back to, ba- back to Valerie next door mixing up some old school Kool-Aid in her Sergio Valentes. Her sister comes in and asks why she wasn't invited to the big doings next door, her little sister. So Valerie and her little sister are home alone. She says she was, but decided to babysit her instead. Back to the party and eating chips and smoking pot, like we did at every single slumber party in the 80s. <laughs> um, yeah. They hear a noise and go to investigate. Just the shattered coffee pot she left on the burner. POV to someone watching from outside, but it's just Diane scaring them. Back to Valerie and her little sister. They hear a noise outside, and Valerie tells her little sister to go check it out, who refuses. We have one smart girl in this movie. The little (laughs) sister takes this opportunity to rifle through Valerie's room and finds a playgirl with Sly Stallone on it. So we're getting a little female objectification, too. Uh, Valerie cleans up the trash. The dog dies. Well, like, women doing it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Objectifying. Yeah, women (laughs) participating in the objectification. Uh, Which shows that we're all the same inside, right? Valerie cleans up the trash. The dogs got into when the creeper music starts again and we hear some dogs going nuts. She hears a noise and sees the swing swing like someone had just gotten off of it and heads back inside. The dude bros arrive at the party and watch through the window right as the girls start undressing in front of the open windows in the living room. Mm -hmm. Boobies. Boobies. And all that 80s nylon underwear. (laughs) The boys just watching through the window. Like, think this is, like, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened to them. And it probably yeah. is. <laughs> uh, the girls order pizza, and Diane goes outside to get more wood for the fire. Someone is standing in the driveway with a meat cleaver, but she doesn't notice him. <laughs> uh, she gets scared by a snail while getting the wood, while someone approaches from behind her with the meat cleaver. Whack! It's just Mr. Content who kills the snail. Oh, I'm really glad but, that he gets his comeuppance right now. <laughs> Jerk. Like, why? Are snails, like, are they invasive or what? I mean, we don't have they snails. They eat your garden. Eat your garden. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. She heads back inside, and he continues his cleaver snail hunt. He sees one and goes to cleave it, but instead gets a drill through the neck by the creeper. And at this point, I put, which does thankfully later change, but I put a note here. We aren't getting to see these kills, just the aftermath, which is a bummer. Uh, one of the dude bros who are still creeping outside the window is like, Hey, did you hear something as they share a beer? And the other one is like, no, but I have an idea. And they leave the girls. All right. Back to the girls smoking a joint and reading the newspaper, which I put a question mark. Like you're not going to be reading the newspaper at your slumber party, but (laughs) they reading about the killer. Of course, Diane gets back with the wood. Diane says it's getting cold and Trish goes to shut the windows. She sees someone outside trying to look in the window, which I thought this was really weird. She totally, it's the killer. And she just like doesn't say anything and totally glosses over it. 
Uh, she sees someone outside trying to look in the windows and asks Diane if she remembered to shut the garage door when she brought in the wood, but says, maybe say it, but says nothing about the guy outside and they were just reading about a loose killer. She looks back outside and now sees a bloody Barbie left on the window. Uh, the girls think it's the dude bros, but Trish says she needs to go check the garage door and still says nothing about the guy lurking outside. Her and Diane go to check the door. Of course, the light is out in the garage. The door is closed, but not locked. Trish locks it and they head it back in. We see the creeper hiding in the garage. And um, I think that Trish realizes this is her Barbie um, from the beginning there that we saw the hand reach in and take out of the trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to Valerie looking longingly out the window. She and her sister go back to the playgirl. Uh, Cause her, uh, she did catch her little sister sneaking her playgirl. <laughs> uh, back to Diane sneak calling her boyfriend, boo boo. While the girls listen on the other line, the lights go out back to the, you know, back in the good old days when there was landlines. Um, oh, that they need was so to, funny. Yeah. <laughs> they need to go check the feud with, fuse box in the garage suddenly now they have to go outside past the pool to get to the garage which i thought was weird they think it's the dude bros diane sneaks up on them and scares them we see the creep watching them from the shadows in the garage none of the fuses are blown but some are missing they find the flashlight that was missing from the house they turn it on and see jeff the dude bros they admit they took the fuses they all leave so now the dude bros have managed to worm their way into the party <laughs> Which what the heck? Right? Take their fuses. Then they like kick their asses <laughs> in the garage. Right. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's what the hell kind of prank is that? Not a very funny one. It, because it oh. seems like everybody knows that this killer's on the loose, but you know, yeah. guys guys are all starved for attention. You know how they are. <laughs> All right, back to Valerie studying who hears the garbage pails knocked outside over, knocked over outside again. She heads out and cleans them up again. She checks the swing again, but they are still. Her sister sneaks up with a knife to scare her, and I put, what the hell? <laughs> and it's like this big, huge kitchen knife. Again, not yeah. me. Um, they head back inside with the ever-present cat following them. Interrupt me if you want to say anything. Uh, cut to Boo Boo outside in the driveway honking for Diane. Boo Boo. <laughs> uh, she comes out and he tries to convince her to leave with him, but she won't. She tells him to wait in the garage. She opens the unlocked door and he pulls in. Uh, back to Vale is fixing little sis's hair. They discuss the party and boys. Back to Diane, and so this is, yeah, kind of going, the scenes kind of go back and forth between, like, Valerie and her little sister that she's babysitting, and then the uh, slumber party. Back I to will Diane. say that I really like the sister relationship I between too. Valerie and her little mm-hmm. sister. It's super cute, and it feels really genuine, because they, like, pick on each other, but they also love each other, and they have inside jokes, you know, Valerie knows that her sister's going up in her room to rifle through her playgirl and stuff like that. And it's just really cute. She I tells agree. an embarrassing story that she had just made up, I guess. And <laughs> it was, like, kind of weird and detailed, too. So then I, it being true, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I really like their relationship. And I think, too, that because they live next door, it makes sense why Trish would want to invite her over. When she's a new girl, like, well, she lives right next door. You know what I mean? So totally makes sense. I know. And 
the phone call with uh, Boo Boo. I thought that that was really funny because um, what's her name? Diane, you know, who kind of acts like the cool one in the group or whatever. They get to hear some pretty intimate stuff on this yeah. phone call and they're all yeah. snickering about it on the phone line and kind of pull it, take her down a notch, you know, yeah, not in exactly. the meat, but it's not mean, you know no. what I mean? It's just like fun and yeah. like honest. And those are elements of the movie that I really appreciate where it kind of feels a little more realistic in the characters, even though this is such a like ridiculous movie. Totally agree. And you need those kind of dynamics for, you know, the stuff that's that's coming up. But it it, mm-hmm. it felt, I agree with you, like, really realistic. Like, I mean, you know the little sister who has such a cool and beautiful older sister. I always wish, I'm the oldest in my family. I only have one brother, but I had always wished that I had, um, you know, an older brother or sister. I would need to think that would be so cool. But you can I just wanted she, that too. I know, and you can just tell she just she teases her older sister a lot, but you can also tell that she feels like the moon rises and sets on her. Also, you know, and yeah. vice versa. So it is they, really cute. Like when she's doing her hair, she's Valerie's doing her little sister's hair, and she's asking how she wants it, and she says, "Just make me look like you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was really so sweet. sweet. Yeah. Okay, so back to Diane and Boo Boo making out in the car in the garage. And I said they're making very gross slurping noises. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other girls are inside with the dude bros, dude bros making strawberry daiquiris. Boob close up with Diane and Boo Boo making out. She's I'm mentioning all the boobs. She stops him because the girls could walk in on them. But he's like, come on, baby, you're driving me crazy, blue balling me. He wants her to come to his place to do it because his parents aren't home. And she says, hold on, I'll be right back, leaving him alone in the garage. Uh-oh, not good. Diane says <laughs> she's leaving to get beer. That's what she tells the girls in the party, but I, they aren't, they're not fooled. They're uh, not goes, buying it. No. <laughs> she goes back to the garage and gets in Boo Boo's car, but he's been drilled. She starts screaming, but the girls can't hear over the blender. Uh, the strawberries in the blender mirror the guts that we just saw in the car. Diane starts honking, but the bloody killer is outside with his bloody drill. She has blood around her mouth. So I think I, I said because I think she got in the car and like went to kiss him before she realized that he had been drilled. So yeah. Yeah. Um. He drills through the window, but she escapes out the other side and runs for the house. But he catches her. Great scene from behind him holding a drill over her face. He raises the drill and cut to black. Ah, oh, not showing these kills, I said. Oh, that is true. I didn't really notice while I was watching the movie because it was just such an exciting, fast-paced movie where like we start getting kills like right off the bat there's a ton of kills the killer is very confident you know and his I mean his physique isn't like scrawny or puny or anything but he could be taken down like fairly easily but I think because he just has such like confidence in what he's doing you know that he's just like catching people off guard very easily um And that's what you kind of have to do if you have a physique like that. But um, I was really, when Diane gets into the car with her dead boyfriend unknowingly, 
thinking about being in that position in the garage and going to kiss him and like your brain trying to put together what's happening at the same time that you're about to, you know, the killer's about to descend upon you next. I just couldn't even, my electrical (laughs) signals would not be working fast enough. That's so true because, you know, at that point you only have one way out, which would be the door back. Well, one quick way because it's a garage door or the door back into the house. But we find, we see earlier that the, I guess maybe this is a California thing. I don't know. Like all, all of our houses here are like your garage is attached and you just open a door usually up from the kitchen and you're right in the garage. But here, uh, you have to go outside past the pool to get back to the house too, which I think is why they also can't hear. But I think you're right. Like you, you, as soon as you see your boyfriend's been drilled, you're like, you know you're in this, like, confined space, too, on top of it. And, yeah. And dark and, yeah. Yeah, and we know we're fuseless. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, back to Valerie and her little sister is telling her she thought she heard some honking and screaming from next door. She says they're just messing around and to ignore. Valerie says they're just messing around, you know, just ignore them. And everyone is having daiquiris, including the dude bros. They accuse them, uh, the girls accuse the dudes of the Barbie doll prank, and they said that they don't know what she's talking about. And then the doorbell rings, rings and they think it's the pizza. Uh, the guys say they will get the door, and they ask, what's the damage through the door? And the pizza guy says, six so far. So I thought that was clever. You know, about he's just kind of going along with the flow of things and just making shit happen. Right. Like, he doesn't have anything planned. You know what I mean? Nope. And back then, I mean, now if if the pizza guy told you you only owed six dollars. Well, first of all, you wouldn't be allowed to order pizza without paying for it ahead of time anymore, I don't think. But also, uh, <laughs> you know, it, a pizza would never just cost $6. But back then, that you would just be like, okay, you know. Uh, they open the door, and it's the dead pizza guy with his eyes drilled out. Everyone starts screaming. Kim had been on the phone with Rachel, the coach, who hears the screaming. The phone hangs up. The coach isn't sure what just happened. Trish calls the opera and says, we're all alone. Please send help. Uh, one of the girls asks, where's Diane? And we see the killer cut the phone line outside before Trish can give the full address to the, I think she's still with the operator. The killer watches through the window. Damn. And even though we're not seeing some of the kills, we're still seeing the aftermath, which is pretty gruesome. Um, it, yes. This so looked at great. Least we're getting, it did. It looked really good. Yes. And I mean, like I said, you do, we do get to start seeing the kills eventually. So I wonder if that's maybe a choice they made halfway through. You know, I don't, I don't know. Or if there's a reason why we aren't seeing the kills, but then eventually we get to, but it's probably just to save money. It's, you know? But I agree with you. It's, it's, it didn't, like, I just want more gore because I'm a gore hound, but it, in no mm-hmm. way does it detract from the movie. Yeah. At all, and it doesn't even make it a PG-13 because there's way too much going on. But mm-hmm. this is like our first real gore. You, they, he stood this pizza guy up. Excuse me. He stood this pizza guy up, and so that when they answer the door, we get a full-on sight of him with his eyes drilled out, which, of course, then he falls into the house, and now 
he's like another character in the room for the rest of the movie. So yeah. that was very disturbing. So disturbing. Um, back to Valerie and her little. Plus, what a way to die, man! Oh, I know. So awful. That sucks. Because the first Your one probably, job. yeah, the first one probably wouldn't kill you. Like, getting your eyes drilled that long, oh, that was a pretty <laughs> long-ass, never mind. It was a pretty long-ass drill. So, yeah, yeah, I guess it would it would kill you. But still, you would be aware for a certain, I, oh, I can't yeah. even think about it. All right. You have to wait till it gets to your brain before yeah. you finally shut yeah. down. Jeez. Okay, back to Valerie and her little sis. Valerie is on the phone with the coach now, who, because uh, I think, so the coach realizes that Valerie lives next door to Trish, and not, you know, she had just been talking to the girls on the phone about a, one of the games, and, you know, the phone call was cut off. So she called Valerie, uh, who confirms that she heard the screaming from next door, but says it's quiet now. The coach asked her to go check it out, but Valerie said she'd rather not, and the coach says, yeah, never mind, it's a bad idea, she shouldn't go out of the house, and that she will go instead. The little sister offers to go, but Valerie won't let her. So finally, someone's being sensible about this escaped killer. Uh, back to the dude bros, bros trying to figure out what to do because the dead pizza guy's laying on the floor. They decide to go around and make sure all the doors and windows are locked, and they all head off to do that. The dude bros decide to run to Valerie's house next door. They decide to split up that way. At least one of them will make it, they say, even if they both don't. I know what's uh, so frustrating about this scene is that Trish is even like, are you sure? Like, you do not have to do this. This is kind of a dumb idea. And you know if they just went together that they would have a better chance of, like, taking out the singular guy, even with the weapon. I don't know. It's just dumb. And it's like they even admit that it's dumb. And they're, like, willing to risk their lives to get to Valerie's when they could all just hold up and I don't that's know. what yes uh, yes I totally agree of course that's all what I was thinking also but it's a horror movie so I mean it's, yeah. it's a requirement to make stupid decisions of course and teenagers are stupid and will make stupid decisions regardless so plus no one <laughs> is more invincible than a teen guy in their own mind Totally. Especially when they just saw boobs through the window. (laughs) All their testosterone is like at an all new. They've never felt so good. Yeah, they're completely invincible. Um, They consider still eating the pizza, don't they? Or does that come later? That comes later, Later. and that's what Jackie, who's just like eating it right on top of the pizza boy's butt, which is the one part that doesn't feel real, you know, because it does, it feels like. Even though this is ridiculous, that this guy's going around killing everyone with a drill, it's still, like, while they're holed up in the house and stuff and they're scared, like, that all feels very real. Um, Until she's like, well, I'm hungry and I get hungry in tense situations. And then she's, like, literally eating it off of his body. I'm like, okay, I understand you, like, eating the pizza, but putting it on top of him and eating it off of him is, like, ticket to a different level. But it was like the most ridiculous movie that isn't ridiculous. I don't know how else to say that. Like it's it's so much better than it should be. But yeah, totally. A couple of pretty well, like the girls sitting around reading the newspaper at a slumber party. There's just obviously things done for the plot, but there is some pretty ridiculous stuff in here. (laughs) Uh, So the girls, yeah, they had like just said they were like, "Are you really sure you want to do this?" And they are like 
Yes, this is what they're going to do. So the girls find knives for the dudes to take. Trish tries to talk them out of it, but they go. They tell him to go to Mr. Contant's house instead and send him there because she's sure he will be there. So, yeah, on the other side is Mr. Contant, who's supposed to be watching over them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeff heads out and runs through the garage. It's dark, so he doesn't see the carnage in the car. As he's trying to get the garage door open, the dead bodies drop from the ceiling. That was a good scene. Uh, He starts screaming as the drill comes through his chest from behind. And, yay, we actually see this kill. So this is, like, the (laughs) first time, and from here on out, we get to see them all. Yeah. It was a good one. It looked great. Was kind of unexpected. Um, back to Valerie watching TV. The other dude bro ran for her house and he gets there and starts knocking, but neither girl can hear over the TV and the radio. Valerie is watching a slasher on TV that is mimicking exactly what is going on in real life, which was, I thought, very clever. Mm-hmm. So, like, every time there would be a scream or a noise, it would just, like, whatever she was, you know, she just didn't notice it over what she was watching. And yeah. I was trying to figure out what the movie she was watching was, but I couldn't figure it out. Uh, here comes the driller killer, and finally Valerie hears and goes to the door. So Jeff is out there, like, banging, banging, banging. He sees this guy coming with the drill. He knows that Valerie's right there, but he just, you know, so he's knocking harder and harder, and she finally hears it. Uh, she doesn't see anything, or, and goes to the door. She doesn't see anything, so goes back to the TV. The dude bro and the wrestler and the killer are wrestling outside, the killer bites the dude, bro, and then kills him with his own knife. We also get to see this kill. Uh, the killer carries his body out of the out of sight to the garage and closes the door. So he has all the bodies now stashed in the boyfriend's trunk. He oh counts my God, them. that's so funny. It's he like, how did he literally kill both of these guys? They're this so dumb. player, Boo Boo, <laughs> was huge okay but i mean which that had to be a kill of surprise obviously but obviously yeah um but yeah these other guys it's like you were so sure that at least one of you would make it and he somehow had time to like go and get both of you oh my god it's just so frustrating (laughs) it was especially too because these two guys would have been on their highest alert you know what i mean they've been they wouldn't have got themselves into neither one of them i don't think would have gotten themselves into those situations you know what i mean like yeah if if she didn't answer right away then maybe run around to the back like keep trying try a different window don't just keep pounding harder and harder on a door that she's not Gonna answer because now you're you're cornered there, right? Yeah. Bringing attention to yourself because you're making right. all this noise. Mm-hmm. Exactly, dummies. All right, so he counts the uh, the killer counts off the bodies one, two, three, four, and we see bro, dude, bro, Jeff trying to call back to the house from outside. So he's still alive at this point. Uh, the girls are. Girls are inside with the dead pizza guy and decide to cover him up and decide to eat the pizza. Jeff is outside crying. <laughs> oh, so it wasn't Jeff that was, okay, it was the other guy. I don't know what the other guy's name is. Jeff is one of the dude bros, but I'm not sure who the other one is. Uh, but Jeff is the one that lives, apparently. Jeff is outside crying and the girls hear and go to investigate. The killer sees Jeff trying to get in the house and comes to finish him off. The girls can see movement outside and don't open the door, and we hear the driller killer finishing Jeff off as the blood starts to seep in under the door, kind of like mirroring that, the very first kill where Mm -hmm. uh, her blood gave her away. Yeah, which looks good. 
It does. The blood, the blood looks good in this movie. But you can just see the girls. It's, this devastates them. They know, like, man, that that was our shot, and the guys are dead, and they feel bad that they let them go. They just are really devastated by this. Like, yeah, as ridiculous as we're saying this movie is, the, I feel like the tone really shifts at this point, and it becomes mm-hmm. much more serious. Um, the coach, Rachel, is driving over. Valerie tries calling sis Courtney to the phone, but no answer. She looks outside and sees Courtney heading to the slumber party. Damn. So she gives chase. She gives this, she goes the same route. We just saw the driller dragging the body to hide it. Courtney arrives to the house, but sees Valerie coming, looking for her. So she hides. Valerie knocks on the door and calls for Trish, but the girls won't answer. We see the killer hiding in the bushes. Jackie says they have to let her in, but the girls protest. They follow her with their knives. Jackie opens the door and gets her neck drilled open. The killer is now in the house. No. Oh, yeah. Jackie was so hot. Yeah, she was. Uh. She's still hot, but now she's dead and hot. So. Valerie can't find her sister and heads to the garage, but no answer. She sees blood on the ground, and her sister comes up behind her and scares her. Valerie scolds Courtney, who says, let's go home. Nothing's going on. So they just, like, all this is going on. But just, you know, the way that I guess they walked around the house, they just happened to not see or hear any of it. Um, While we can see the huge pool of blood outside the garage door in the background, which I thought was funny. But they just happened to Mm -hmm. not see it. Yep, nothing to see here. Valerie tells Courtney to stay there. She's going to try the door one more time. So I think this is the first time I've said, but Courtney is the younger sister. That's her name. So it's Valerie and Courtney are the two sisters. Uh, Why wouldn't she keep her with her? That was me saying that. It's starting to thunderstorm. Perfect. Valerie tries the door again and lets herself in this time. She calls out for the girls, but no answer. Oops. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, She goes through the house calling for them. No answer. They hear Valerie, but they don't answer to not give away their hiding place. So the girl, the, the, the killer's in there. The girls have barricaded themselves in the bedroom. And that's the picture behind Jess for all of you on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trish suggests maybe Valerie and the killer are in it together since we, she didn't get invited to the party <laughs> in on it together. <laughs> that's a, wow. All right. But what I like about this, too, is, like, the in a second, she's like, you're right, that's crazy, I'm just scared, and I think you do start to just kind of get paranoid, you know, and just, you're just thinking, well, what else could it be, what, you know, because it seemed like there were two, this guy's everywhere, he's got such a high kill count right now, he's just, like, mowing through these people. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. so, I don't blame her for thinking that there should be two people not that someone would do it for a dumb reason like that, but in these slashers from the 80s, oftentimes it is something dumb like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, tr- okay. But, uh, Valerie leaves out the back door where she left Courtney, who is now gone. I told you. They should have should took her with her. Valerie and Kim are sitting on the floor in front of an open window, which is behind Jess there. Um Question mark, question mark, question mark, <laughs> discussing what to do. And we see the drill come through the window. I said, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes the big dick through Look, the window. <laughs> drilling my head. 
<laughs> Actually, you're the way you're sitting and in your size, like you look like you're there with them. I know, right? Here, let's yeah. go back a little. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I said no screens in this house. Uh, here comes in the killer, drenched in blood, getting it all over Trisha's pink bedroom. They hear something behind them and run, but they have nowhere to go because they had barricaded themselves in. Uh, not thinking he would come in through the outside. Uh, he chases them around the bedroom while they throw stuff at him. Um, and this Trish manages. So scary. I know. And Trish manages. This is one of the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, this is one of those scenes that feels very real, too. You know what I mean? Like, they look actually scared, like they're not acting, and they're putting up a fight, and they're throwing shit, you know, because, like, what else are you going to do? And it's like they're doing and thinking as fast as you would actually be able to. And, yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, what would you – yeah, you would be extremely frantic. And she – this is a frilly pink bedroom. All of the good stuff, like (laughs) – she got rid of all of her toys earlier. She really doesn't have much to throw in there that could really do any damage, you know? Yeah. Um, Trish managed to, manages to hit him with her baseball bat, knocking him out. They move the furniture to get out, but he comes to and gets back up. He now has their discarded knives and kills Kim. Aww. Trish gets away. Uh, back to Valerie outside looking for Courtney. The killer is going through the house looking for Trish, but sees himself covered in blood in the bathroom mirror. Valerie sees Courtney's body on the ground, but she's just pranking again. Courtney needs an ass-kicking, man. Uh, they say no one is there. <laughs> let's go home. But the killer keeps cre- and the killer keep, keeps creeping through the house looking for Trish, the final girl. Right? He looks in the master closet where she is hiding in a garment bag, but he doesn't see her and leaves. Cut to Valerie and Courtney in Trisha's house, which this was a weird jump. Like, I thought they were just outside and went home, but now they're inside. And Courtney decides to raid the fridge. She opens the fridge where we see Kim's dead body, but she shuts it again before she notices it because Valerie wants to leave because the house gives her the creeps. Courtney decides she wants to steal a beer out of the fridge and goes back and now sees Kim's dead body and screams. Valerie this was now, fun. Yeah, it was. Because she did it like two or three times, and you're yeah. like, oh, she's just not going to see it, and someone's going to find it later. But then, in yeah. fact, she does see it. Yeah. Well, because you, you want Valerie and Courtney in on the action now. You don't want them yeah. to be, like, you know, you want them to get in on it. Uh, Valerie sees it as well as the shadow of the drill coming down, as well as the shadow of the drill coming down the stairs. She tells Courtney to run, and she hides in the basement. Courtney hides under the couch, and the killer goes looking for them. Courtney watches as the killer drags the dead pizza guy past her. So she's under the couch in the living room with the dead pizza guy. Like, this is one of those old 80s couches that has, like, a a frill around the bottom, like a dust cover, you know. So Mm -hmm. she's able to hide under there, and but the killer drags the body, like, right next to her. He doesn't know she's there, obviously. Yeah. Uh, The killer now disguises himself. Uh, he throws the body down the stairs to where Valerie is. The killer now disguises himself as the dead pizza guy body by laying on the floor and covering up with a blanket right next to Courtney, which that was pretty ingenious, actually. Trish mm-hmm. comes out of her hiding place. Rachel, the coach, arrives and starts knocking on the front door. She lets herself in. She gets no answer. She sees the body under the blanket and goes to investigate. The killer comes after her. She holds him off with a poker. 
Valerie finds a power saw and tries to run up the stairs. (laughs) 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 Ah, This is funny. Uh, And tries to run up the stairs, but the extension cord isn't long enough and pulls her backward. (laughs) I, I don't know why she, either she didn't know it was plugged in or why she thought that would reach upstairs. But anyway, she goes flying backwards. Um, Courtney watches from under the couch while Coach and the killer fence with their weapons. She trips the killer and he falls, and Coach or uh, Courtney trips the killer as he walks by her couch. So she sticks her little foot out from underneath the couch and trips him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the coach beats him with the poker, which I said looks pretty lame. <laughs> it did. Trish comes and stabs him with her knife, who is horrified by what she has done. The killer gets, so this killer is apparently invincible too. The killer gets up and drills the coach in half. Valerie is still downstairs where they seem to another kill we get to see. Yeah, uh, Val- that was a bummer too, because it was like finally they're kind of like starting to make some sort of impact. And they're not necessarily all working together because they don't even know that everyone exists within the same <laughs> yes, room yet. Parties, different parties here at this time. By, by parties, I mean like groups of people. So you got Trish is the only one left. You got Courtney and Valerie who know they're there. Trish doesn't know either one of them there. And the coach doesn't know anybody's there. So you've got like three people trying to navigate the situation, three groups of people trying to navigate the situation who, if they all knew about each other, could help and work together, but they right. don't. Right. So it's almost like they just coincidentally were able to luckily get a dent on him in this moment. And you're like, okay, it's a turn, you know, towards their favor. So then yeah. when he gets the coach, I'm like, no. Uh, the killer gets up and drills the coach. And Valerie's still downstairs where they seem to have an entire cache of weapons. <laughs> she finds a huge <laughs> knife hanging on the wall. The killer now comes after Trish and tells her how pretty they all are. He tells her he loves her and that it takes a lot of love for a person to do what he's doing. So now we are kind of getting to see his kind of crazy side. Yeah, uh, but it's still not like it's not good enough for me to feel like he's a crazy. It still sounds like something somebody who'd been up for five days on meth would say. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's yes. not like bonkers enough. It's well, just like, qu- why do you I, even have him say anything? He didn't have right. to ever say anything. It would have been fine if he did. If we never knew what his motivations were, because we still don't really. Yeah, I put oi here because I didn't like that either. He said, "You, you know, you want it, you love it." So this is where it's definitely like this is while he's like, you know, it's <laughs> definitely phallic at this point, and yeah. he holds his big drill out like a giant phallic object. You love it, yes. And Trish is like, why? I don't even know you. <laughs> ah, yes. Is she okay. that? Not in that way. She didn't say it in like a, what, why? She was like, why are you doing this? I don't even yeah. know. She was like kind of pleading. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, she wasn't sarcastic like Tammy. <laughs> yeah. Sarcastic. Yeah. I, yes. Yeah, I said it like I would say it, but yes, Jessica's right. Uh, so here comes Valerie up the stairs with her giant knife. Um, I said this is a secret love story of Trish and Valerie, and I'm I'm sticking by that. Um, she swings and misses. He runs out, and Valerie gives chase. Her dick is bigger than his dick, and he gets yeah. knocked, and he gets back to the pool. She swings and cuts his drill in half. Now he has a little dick. <laughs> 
Love it. <laughs> I know. She starts hacking him up with the sword, cuts his hand off. Yet he's still still alive and kicking. He yeah. keeps yelling he's going to kill her, and she keeps hacking, and he goes into the pool dead. With a little asterisk there. She drops <laughs> the knife and collapses. Courtney runs out and they hug. Yep, here comes the killer crawling out of the pool. He dives for the sword, but Courtney attacks. Here comes Trish with her knife from the house. He's he's wrestling with all three and goes to jump on Valerie, who holds the sword up just in time, and him shish kebabs him, impales him. He's finally dead. The three Ooh. girls cry as we hear the police signs. Sirens coming outside. Credits roll. Yay! And that is the masterpiece, otherwise known <laughs> as the Slumber Party Massacre. Yes. <sighs> and all Good. they needed was uh, one girl to stand her ground and just go at him the way that he's been going at people. Because, like I said, he doesn't have he doesn't have a plan or anything. He's just doing. You know what I mean? And finally, yeah. someone else was like, I'm also going to just do. And then she just did it. Like, Plus, it's a lesson in how you shouldn't be mean to the new girl at school. Because <laughs> she might she also save, save, your save your life. That's yeah. Funny. That's funny. Um, and all the people survived that we wanted to survive anyway, except maybe the coach. I would have been okay if she survived, but she did not. Oh, so, I wanted Jackie and Kim to survive, too. Well, yeah. I see what, yeah. Well, you know, you want to keep the gang together. Yeah. I know all her old friends died. That's so sad. Welcome to adulthood. It's a trap. Don't grow <laughs> up. All your friends died. Friends <laughs> died. Oh, all right. Well, I just talked for like a year. So you want to go ahead and read it first? Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even write down a rating. Let me think about it for a minute. I don't know why I didn't write down a rating. Well, I didn't write one down, but I know in my head what I would give it. I'm giving it an 8.5 because I've seen this innumerable amount of times. It is just as enjoyable. It, it's got a couple little problems, which, you know, we definitely mentioned here, but it's innumerably rewatchable. I will watch this many yeah. more times in my lifetime, so... Um, I usually get it in about once every year, maybe every two years or so, and, and I just love this movie. I do, you can feel the female bent to it, I feel, and yet it's not in your face. Um, it's not like that, but it does have a, a, a female appreciation kind of a feel to it, even beyond just, you know, the triumph of the final girl at the end. It just kind of has a feel to it that all the boobies and all that don't, aren't offensive, you know, yeah. it, it just adds, it's just, to, it, it's eye candy in the truest uh, sense of the word, I think, so, I, I mean, I if you haven't seen this, which I imagine almost everybody has, uh, it's a must watch, I feel, if you want to hang on to your horror card, so, yeah, how about you? <laughs> yeah, I think you make a good point when you say it's innumerably rewatchable, that's so true, it's an hour and 17 minutes, hallelujah, like, <laughs> Especially in this day and age when everything is like three hours long. Yes. It's so nice to put on a little slumber party massacre and just have some fun. Um, and 
Yeah, it does have some problems, but to be honest, I think that there's some, like, really, really good stuff about it that a lot of other slashers don't seem to do for some reason. So, for me, it's an 8 out of 10. Um, Uh I would absolutely recommend it. And, yeah, it's so weird because it is, like, pretty bizarre, but then there are some things about it that just feel so realistic, which I feel like from this time is just not it's not that common. Um, so I really appreciate that, that aspect of it. So I totally agree. And I think you're right there too. Something about it for 1982, just, it just hits a little bit different. It's, it's just elevated. And I'm not sure that I can, I can't necessarily pinpoint one thing. It's just a feel I get from it, but what it does, right. It does so well that it just, it just kind of hovers above a lot of 80 slashers for me, I think. So yeah, because it has a lot of the regular old tropes to it. Yeah. Yet for some reason, it just—I don't know—it just hits different with me. I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling the female minds behind it, or whatever. I'm not sure, but it's great. So yeah, I agree. Um, fun movie. I'm glad you picked it. It was really cool to just kind of kick back and. Throw in my two cents here and there. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I just thought we needed something like that. So um, I did write up a book nook announcement. We had said late, earlier we may get to it. I forgot I put it in here, so I'm going to oh, get nice. to it right now. Do it. Um, book nook announcement. And we're, figu- we're th- thinking like the end of March, I think, right? Something like that. I mean, we can give you more. But this, letting you know now gives everybody plenty of time to get the book in read it and all that. So we have selected our next book for book book for book nook. And this time we will be reviewing bright young women by Jessica Knoll. Media coverage often mentions Bundy's so-called charm and good looks as an oxymoron to his crimes. Instead of romanticizing the killer, Knoll's bright young women is a tribute to victims and survivors. A docuseries about Bundy on Netflix called conversation with state. <laughs> Cannot talk. Conversations with the killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, was the impetus for the novel. Noel was floored by an episode that included the judge's description of Bundy at his sentencing, where he was complimentary of the convicted killer. Noel looked up the court transcripts and was disturbed by the full picture. He called Bundy a bright young man, recalled Noel. Bundy, Bundy rambled on for 30 or 40 minutes before the judge says, You're a bright young man. You could have done all these things with your life, but you went another way. And when you read what Ted Buddy said, what he rambled on about, I was like, this is your bright young man, Judge. And that's the author saying that. Yeah. A little synopsis. The book opens on a Saturday night in 1978, hours before a soon-to-be infamous murderer descends upon a Florida sorority with deadly results. The lives of those who survive, including sorority president and key witness Pamela Schumacher, are forever changed. Across the country, Tina Cannon is convinced her missing friend was targeted by the man papers refer to as the all-American sex killer and that he struck again. Determined to find justice, the two join forces as their search for answers leads to a final shocking confrontation. So if you would like to, and it is a novel, it's not like, you know, real victims of Ted Bundy anything, but she's just, you know, kind of flipping it back. Um, yeah, the, maybe he was, you know, had the ability to be a bright young man. But what about these women? Who were they? You know, what could they have become? So I just really like that idea. 
And, um, yeah, if you'd like to join us, it gives you about two months to read that. And I have not read it. Neither one of us has read it. So I can't, can't like recommend it to you or anything. I just thought it was <laughs> a, a good premise. It, the premise interested me. So. Totally. And, you know, especially with like all these shows, you know, that have been getting popular recently about Ted Bundy and other serial killers. Um, I mean, I feel guilty like watching them. You know what I mean? Um, but I because do. it's ba- right. I do. And I still do, but I also don't want to like recommend them or say that I sympathize with the killer or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like a really weird. We're in a really weird place with all of that stuff, um, you know, where they're making shows where they're trying to get you to, like, see the killer's point of view or something. And, like, I don't want to because this is, like, something real that happened and not even that long ago. And, like, family members of victims are still around, you know, and it's just, like, it's such a weird space to be in. Um, and I think it's important that we shine a light on yeah the victims and their families and not just give all the attention to the serial killer you know what i mean so 100 percent. yeah i'm i'm really behind i am guilty i am i am a true crime lover i'm fascinated with all of that stuff but it's become so you're right so sensationalized i mean that is a huge chunk of what's popular on Netflix is their documentaries like this. And I think to me, I mean, I know Manson has spoken. We've hear, heard their voices before, but this whole, like, let's hear the killer's whole story and let's get to what made him be like, blah, blah. That's kind of feels to me like a new thing or, you know, like relatively new kind of a thing, but who gets lost in all that is these women. And right. Just wiped out at such young ages. And for what? Because they were pretty or, you know, but like, wrong you know, place, said, or happens to women. And this is yeah. a not just women. I, I wonder. I get that. I know. I'm just saying it does. Um, you don't have women. You, you do. Uh, that's not true. There are some. Rarely do you have women who just willy nilly go around killing Man, I know there's Eileen Morales and stuff, but, you know, because they were pretty or they were handsome or whatever. It's just not really a thing. Yeah. So, uh, it, that, you know, they're not so objectified, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not making a blanket statement. I know there's exceptions, but I just really like that idea of, you know, well, who were these women? So. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, like documentaries and stuff are fine. And I think knowing like what actually happened is good. I just think it would be better if we could also just place more emphasis on like the actual victims. But then there are shows like that, that uh, Ted Bundy one, that's like a fictionalized version. Oh, that what's his name? Uh, yeah. Yes. Who's yeah. like a huge star. Yep. Things like that just feel like really wrong. And that's not to say that I didn't watch it. I totally did. But I felt like weird and gross the whole time that I was watching it, not just because we're watching weird, gross stuff happen. It's because like, oh, the family members of those victims are still alive. And there's well, the show is getting really popular. You know what I mean? Jeffrey, just, the Jeffrey Dahmer one, you and I both ate that one up. It was so good. Yeah, but uh, there was a lot of bash backlash because or yeah, Je- I'm talking about the Jeffrey Dahmer one. Sorry, not Ted Bundy. No, there was. Although there, there was, was a Ted Bundy one too. There was yeah, a Ted Bundy one with 
uh, that oh, I can't think of another popular it, but, star. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of backlash, I think more even so for the Dahmer one, because all of those people are still alive, all yeah. the family members and stuff. I mean, when, when there's a victim, the ripples from that, the parents, the siblings, if they had, if, if it was a mother, you know, just, it's more than one person whose lives are, yeah, their life is snuffed out, but I think it just, you don't know what kind of other, like, effect that causes, you know, so. Yeah. But, yeah, mm-hmm. so I think this book is a great, um, it's a great idea. I'm glad we're going to read it. Me too. So we haven't started it yet, but we're, we both have the book, so we're going to be starting it probably, like, right after we're done with all this 2023 year-end list stuff. <laughs> One week. One week it will be over. <laughs> you had mentioned this, that Rita Mae Brown wrote a screenplay for a parody of a teen slasher entitled this Sleepless Nights. Um, and then when she submitted it to the producers, they filmed it as if it weren't a parody and retitled it Summer Party Massacre. And as well, a result, okay. the movie displays a lot more humor, both intended and unintended. So that makes sense. Um, and is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Amy Holden Jones is not very sympathetic to people who complain that she's a sellout to her gender as a woman who produced an exploitation flick with a lot of naked girls in it. Uh, that's what Roger Corman, the producer, wanted, and that's how it's done. You give the studio what they want. Nobody complains that Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, or Ron Howard made, uh, made exploitation pictures but when a woman tries, she gets called a hypocrite and a turncoat. That's BS. It should be noted that Holden Jones has parlayed this into a successful film career, producing such hits as Mystic Pizza and The Getaway. I love Mystic Pizza. I love Mystic Pizza. And you know what? I kind of agree. Like, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's a fine line. But, like, I bet that these girls felt a lot more comfortable being directed by a woman, you know, in such a vulnerable, vulnerable way. <laughs> but then also, that's like, that's saying all women will automatically think naked women and women being killed on screen are bad. We love that shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> hello. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's true. I, I don't imagine, have a problem. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with people being pressured into that situation when they're not comfortable with it. But yeah, you're right. In 2018 interview, Brink Stevens talked about doing nude scenes in this and other films. Early in my career, nudity was simply the rule. Uh, what was expe- expected of us? We just went along with it because we wanted to work. I've never been shy about nudity. Um, she was a nude model before she started acting. A good thing, too, because my willingness to undress landed me a lot of good roles and helped uh, to get me better noticed by fans. However, I was never comfortable doing explicit love scenes with the guy, so I tended to turn down those kinds of parts. In almost every case, the directors have been very good about asking non-essential personnel to leave the set, and we were treated respectfully. But then there, uh, there you are, totally naked up on the big screen, being watched by hundreds of people. I'm quite relieved that I've reached such an age where I'm no longer asked to do this, and it's left up to the younger starlets. According to the director, Amy Holden Jones, the movie was originally supposed to clock in at about 90 minutes. 
considering that the film only runs at 76 minutes. Uh, there was a different ending. We reshot to punch it up. It must have been lame because I can't remember it. <laughs> I, think, I think it was the same, but without the pool. We ruined that pool with the reshoot, but it was fun, Amy recalled. One other particular scene that was omitted for pacing reasons, as uh, Deborah DeLiso recalled, was a scene with the girls playing with a Ouija board, spelling out the words death. Oh, I wish they'd have left it in. It would be better than the newspaper reading. That's true. It would have been more fitting. The handy woman actor who drills in Coach Jana's peephole was actually one of the set designers for the film. I always like stuff like that. Yeah, I do too. The overhead shots in the gym before Linda's attack was achieved by having the cameraman on top of a cherry picker because the film had a low budget and the crew couldn't afford a camera crane. Frankie Stevens said in an interview that during the shower scene, she had no problem being nude, but several of the other girls put tape over their nipples so the director couldn't use shots of their breasts. And that's why only the bare backs of most of them are shown. That scene is still very titillating. Yes, it is. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> After the film was completed, the studio held a test screening at a theater on Hollywood Boulevard, and Amy Holden Jones was startled by the audience reaction. As she recalls, they went ape from the very beginning. They were screaming and laughing, and there were people behind me making drilling noises and talking back. <laughs> Talking back to the screen, Amy left the theater and approached producer Roger Corman, who was listening in the lobby. She said, my God, Roger, what did we do? He replied, we had the best preview in New World history. Jones went on to only direct three more films. None of them were in the horror genre. Amy Holden Jones points out that despite the film being slammed for its violence against women, most of the women here are killed off screen while the guys get some bloody on-screen demises. There you go. Okay. That's probably accidental, though. Mm-hmm. Don't act like you did that on purpose. <laughs> but I feel a little bit like they're only making a thing out of this because she's a woman like if this had been a guy oh yeah it wouldn't even be being talked about i know that's what i think that's one of the biggest points she's trying to make but you know she's a turncoat dumb whatever i think that's good that's kind of the stuff that i was interested in was like what the director felt and thought and had to deal with as you know a woman director of an 80 slasher like this with that we're gonna get into our monstrous mention for the episode On tonight's episode, our monstrous mention is Girl That's Scary, a podcast on the Dread Podcast Network where two homegirls, Jazz the 40-ounce connoisseur and Cat Daddy, talk about spooky shit, sci-fi, and more. New episodes are released every Thursday, and I love this podcast. It's so fun because aside from it being really awesome and hilarious – 
Both of the hosts have a wealth of horror knowledge, and they watch so many movies. To me, they're kind of like female versions of Marknado. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. That's if saying they, a lot. <laughs> I know. I don't know if they reach those numbers, but it seems like they would have to because they put out a weekly podcast, and on most of the episodes, they'll have a theme, and then they'll kind of go through a whole list of movies that fit into that theme. And just kind of briefly touch on them and whether they would recommend, like, spending your time, you know, watching the movie or not. Um, and I'm just like, holy shit. They put together these crazy lists every week. And I can't imagine watching as <laughs> that many movies to be able to do that. And I'm sure a lot of them are like, well, I've already seen this movie and it fits this theme or whatever. But it seems like a lot of the time they actually do rewatch the movies or watch a movie for the first time for the theme. So that's a lot of Wow, I'm not worthy because it's all I can. We have one movie in it. I'm like physically exhausted, mentally exhausted. (laughs) Right. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Yeah, so they go through a bunch of movies on there. Um, And so I actually hear about a lot of cool movies that I'd never heard of because of them. But also, um, they are women of color. And so obviously, I want to shine a light on them for that because there's not enough of that in the horror genre, especially. But they have so many other black podcasters and writers and etc. on their show that I find out about a lot of content creators in one form or another that are black because of their show. Because oh, otherwise, I don't awesome. really know how to find them. You yeah, know what I uh-huh. mean? So I love their show for that, too. And so we're saluting Cat Daddy and Jazz on mm. this episode. So awesome. thanks, ladies. You guys are awesome. Um, and that is going to do it for this episode of Horror Through Her Eyes. Next week, we'll be giving our list of our top five lesser seen or talked about horror movies of 2023. Um, and we're going to be putting together a top 20 list for the year on the HorrorCast. So that's why we're doing something on a smaller scale and on a different scale on this podcast, because we don't want to regurgitate what we're doing over there. But we figure we might as well do the end of the year list over here, too, because, one, we're going to be going through all of those movies and putting together a list anyways. So and two, it's 2024 now. So it's time. <laughs> of course, I always wanted I always hoped that this podcast would be about the stuff that doesn't, not always, but a lot of the stuff that just doesn't get talked about. So I'm excited for these lists. I think it's a great idea that Jessica came up with. So We came up with it together. (laughs) And also our listeners helped. So I'm definitely not taking the credit for that. I'll post on Facebook because that's where we get our most interaction anyways. Maybe I'll also put something on Twitter, but we're fairly new over there. So not sure if we have a bunch of followers over there yet, but I'll put out a call and see if we can get some cool lists from listeners. And then we can read those out on our Echoes from the Abyss. And remember, we're ta- it has to be lesser seen and talked about. So not something that's going to be on everybody's list because there's going to be so much of the same stuff talked about. And that that can't be helped. What's good is good. But we're looking for that stuff that you just, you really love for whatever reason, even if everybody else hates it, join my club because that's how I usually am. (laughs) But you really (laughs) liked it. And, you know, just a little list that you would like to get out to the masses about what's good that they may have missed. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that for sure. Totally. And I don't even know if these movies necessarily have to be like the best, you know, even in that 
criteria of being lesser talked about. Um, cause even if it's just like a really good movie for one reason or another that you think deserves more attention, um, I think that's kind of what we're looking for. Yeah, we just, yeah, it doesn't even have to be top five, just five lesser seen or talked about horror movies of 2023. There you go. Yep. So that's going to be our next show. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever podcasts are found. Uh, you can join our Horror Through Her Eyes Facebook group page. Email us at horrorthroughhereyes at yahoo.com. Follow us on Instagram and threads at Horror Through Her Eyes Pod with an underscore between each word. Follow us on TikTok at Horror Through Her Eyes Pod. And we are now on Twitter at Horror Her Eyes. Um, and you can follow us on Letterboxd at Horror Her Eyes. So, which I am keeping up with kind of ish. It's fun. Follow us over there. And then once we have our list together for 2023, we'll have a list on there for y'all to look at too. So, as we bid you farewell, we hope you enjoyed your time with us on Horror Through Her Eyes. It's been a blast diving into the depths of dread with you. Until next time, remember to live deliciously. Live deliciously.